Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. So the Lord is the unique God because of who He is and because of what He has done. Therefore, He commands us, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, because of that, because of who the Lord is and because of what He has done, doesn't it make sense that God will have no rivals? Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Today on The Verdict, we're continuing our latest study on the Ten Commandments by looking closer at God's first commandment, which states, you shall have no other gods. Most people would say they believe in God, but do they actually believe in the one true God? Or are they worshiping a God of their own creation? Let's join Pastor John Monroe for today's message. Today we're continuing in our study of the Ten Commandments. As we'll see, the first commandment, that we are to have no other gods, is of vital importance. You may say, John, I don't have any physical idols in my home. I understand that. But let's take a closer look at the deeper implications of this first command. What we believe about God is of vital importance. None of us would like to think we are idolaters, But we are idolaters unless we are worshiping the one true God and He is at the center of our life. Israel was taught, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Have you redefined God in your own image based on what you think, what you feel, or do you know the one true God? Hannah Rosen in the Washington Post writes, Americans write their own Bible. They fashion their own God then talk incessantly about him. She describes, for example, a couple raised Roman Catholic who decided to keep Jesus because he's, quote, big on love, but mixed in other religions. She quotes the wife as saying, because we are God, God gives me the ability to create my own godliness. Helen Gray, in an article in the Charlotte Observer on July 28, writes, quote, Millions feel personally committed to God, but they are renegotiating the definition of the deity. Do you get that? Millions say they believe in God, but they are renegotiating the definition of the deity. Meg Ryan says, Eastern thought, Western mysticism, I really dig the whole Hindu pantheon, and I just pull from all kinds of different things. A Newsweek poll discovered that eight out of ten Americans do not believe any one faith is the sole path to salvation. So more and more Americans are making God in their own image. So while 96% of Americans report that they believe in God, we have to ask, what God or what gods do they believe in? People talk about a supreme being or the force or energy or the cosmos or the God within. Select your own beliefs. Throw in some Christianity, a little bit of Buddhism, a dash of Hinduism, a spoonful of the gospel according to Oprah, and out comes a God, just like you, made in your own image. A God who is very understanding, a God who is very, very tolerant, a God who is very convenient, a God who certainly is undemanding, and above all, a God who makes you feel good about yourself all the time. That's the kind of God we want, isn't it? In such an age of sentimental, subjective spirituality, 
the first commandment of the ten comes as a bit of a shock, doesn't it? Not very politically correct, not user-friendly, but it is essential that we know and worship the true God, not a God that you think you would like, not a God that you have made, not some deity renegotiated to suit your own prejudices and desires, but the true God. As A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Last week, as we began our study of the Ten Commandments, I emphasized, as the Old Testament does, that these commandments come from God. To emphasize that, Moses says that they were written with the finger of God, emphasizing that these commandments come not from Moses, not from some committee, not from some congress, not from some parliament or president or king, but they come from God. And the first commandment states that there is only one true God, and that we shall have no other gods before Him. As a preacher of the Word of God, I have to remind you then that these are God's commandments, not mine, and that if you ignore them, and if we disobey them, there are serious consequences for this life and for all of eternity. Now, let me invite you to open your Bibles back to Exodus chapter 20 to learn about this true God who must be the Lord in our lives, in your life, and in mine. Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read the first three verses of Exodus 20. Second book in the Old Testament, Genesis, the book of beginnings, of origins, Exodus, the story of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Exodus 20, verse 1, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods beside me. There it is, the first commandment, telling us that the Lord is the unique God. The Lord is the unique God, first of all, because of who He is. What do we read in verse 2? I am the Lord your God. Now, let's go back to Exodus chapter 3 to learn about this Lord. In most of our Bibles, it is in capitals, L-O-R-D. And we're going to discover that it is Yahweh and it is God's personal name. In Exodus 3, God is revealing Himself to Moses through the burning bush, you may recall. And we read in verse 13 these words. Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? What's God's name? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This word, Lord, in Hebrew, Yahweh, was held in reverence by the Jewish people. 
Or when the Jews, even today, when they're reading the Hebrew Scriptures, and they come to this word, Yahweh, the Lord, it is held by them in such reverence, they have such respect for it, they are in such awe of it, that they don't pronounce the name. And so Hebrew scholars are not even sure how it is pronounced. Most think it sounds like Yahweh. And when the Jews are reading the Old Testament Scripture, when they come to this word, the personal name of God, Yahweh, instead of pronouncing it Yahweh, they use another word for God, Adonai. And if you put the vowels from the word Adonai with the consonants of Yahweh, you get Jehovah, which is the way it was translated in the King James Bible. If you remember, if you still have an old King James, or if you're brought up in the King James as I was, you heard a lot about Jehovah. There really is no such word as Jehovah. It is Yahweh. Who is God? What is God's personal name? Here in Exodus 20, at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, when God says, you shall have no other gods before me, who is the me? Verse 2, I am the Lord. I am who I am. That is God's personal name. Now, when we meet people, we describe ourselves by where we're from, by what we do, our interests, our moral status, and so on and so forth. When we meet someone, we give our name, and we tell a little bit about ourselves. But when Moses is asking God, who are you, God? And when I go to lead the children of Israel from Israel, and they say, well, who are you? Who is this God? God says, just tell them, I'm Yahweh. I am who I am. God, unlike us, does not derive his being from anyone or anything. He is absolutely independent of anything or any cause. Who is he? He is Yahweh. He is the Lord. I am who I am. Because of that, there is no beginning to his being. He is the Alpha and the Omega. As far back as you want to go, there is Yahweh. As far forward you want to look, there is Yahweh. Isaiah 44, verse 6, I am the first and the last, talking about Yahweh. Isaiah 43, verse 13, and I am God, even from eternity, I am He. I am Yahweh, even from eternity. That is, Yahweh is eternal. He is uncreated. He is self-existent. He alone is the supreme, almighty God. He's Yahweh. All that is necessary in every circumstance is found in this one. I am who I am. Imagine meeting someone like that. <laughs> You're beginning to understand why this one, this Yahweh, is it then so strange that he says right in the first commandment, the foundational one, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? I am Yahweh. I am who I am. As to his duration, he is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. We are born, we grow old and die. But God is eternally present. He exists, can we say, in the eternal now. Yahweh is eternally present. As to his duration, he is eternal. As to his extent, he is immense. How big is God? God is so big we can't measure him. The Bible says that the 
heavens and the heaven of heavens can't contain God. You can't put God in a box. He's so big. He's infinite in his being. As to his extent, he is immense. As to his content, he is all-sufficient. He needs nothing or no one for his existence. As human beings, we are totally dependent. And so Eric Bjorkfeldt and Laurie's little baby wakes up during the night, totally dependent on the parents, totally dependent on mother for milk. Right from the beginning of our existence, we are totally dependent on others. Above all, we're totally dependent upon God. God is independent. He is self-existent. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anything at all. He is the self-existent Lord. As to his identity, he is immutable. He is unchanging. He's always the same. You and I are not always the same. We are frail people. We have our moods. Some mornings we wake up, we feel pretty good. Others time, we feel pretty miserable. We are changing all of the time. Not so God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is that? He's Yahweh. I am who I am. As to his attributes, they are infinite in their perfection. How loving is God? God is loving to an infinite degree. How holy is God? God is holy to an infinite degree. How righteous is God? God is righteous to an infinite degree. He is infinite in his perfections. We summarize all of that and talk of the glory of God. Yes, this is the Lord. Is it surprising then that he says, you shall have no other gods before me? He is the unique God. He's Yahweh. He's the Lord. He is unique because who he is in and of himself. Now, do you really want to make your own little God? That God's going to be tiny, microscopic compared with the true God. But the Lord is also the unique God because of what he has done. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Think of the power and the, the might and the brilliant wisdom of the God who speaks and it's done. Let there be light and there was light. Why should we have no other gods before this God? Because this God, the Lord, is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The creator of the immense universe of more than 50 billion galaxies blowing like snowflakes in a cosmic storm, as one astronomer has put it. You still want your own little God? Or do you want this one? Not only is he great and unique in creation, notice what he says in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Isn't that wonderful? Not only is the Lord great and unique in creation, he is great and unique in redemption. He redeems his people from the slavery of Egypt. They were unable, totally unable, to free themselves. It took the power of Almighty God to deliver them from Egypt, to overthrow the pharaohs, to lead them through the wilderness into the promised lands. He's not a remote God. Yes, he's great. He's eternal. But the miracle is he's also a God of infinite grace. And a God who, although great, is a God who acts in human history. Not only is he the sovereign Lord of the universe and beyond, he is always present with his people. 
Notice the prelude again, verse 2. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, your God. How wonderful. Your God. This all-powerful God, who is eternally self-existent, comes down and delivers his people from slavery. What incredible love, what incredible compassion and grace that this God, who is so great, comes into human history, looks on this little group of people, the Israelites, and says, I am the Lord, your God, and I will deliver you. So this personal name of God, Yahweh, his personal name, emphasizes his relationship with his people. He has a living relationship with his people. He is, not was, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Not only does he deliver Israel from slavery, as we thought of last week, as we looked at chapter 19, verse 4, he says, he bears them on eagles' wings and brings them to where? To himself. Not just to the promised land. That would have been incredibly graceful. But he brings them, he says, to myself. A God who delivers us. Can you imagine God delivering people from slavery and saying, now I'm going to put you in your own land where you will be free, where no one will be master over you. That was incredible. But God says, I'll do more than that. I'll bear you up on eagles' wings and bring you to myself. What does that tell us about this God? That this God not only is transcendent, He's great. He's the Creator. He's also a God who is imminent. He's a God who comes to us. That's why His Son in the New Testament is going to be described as Emmanuel, God with us. And it's mind-blowing, isn't it? At least it is to me as I thought of this, this and prayed about this this week. That this God who is the immense creator of everything, seeks a living, dynamic, growing, personal relationship with me and with you. You still want to have your own little God? To begin to understand why the first commandment, right at the beginning, God is concerned with our relationship, not with ourselves, not with our neighbors, not feeling good about ourselves, but our relationship with Him. You shall have no other gods before me. And when we come to the New Testament, we begin to understand that this great eternal God reveals Himself perfectly in His Son, God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we recently studied the Gospel of John, what did we learn over and over again? How does Jesus describe Himself? What does Jesus keep saying about Himself in John's Gospel? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. That is, our Lord Jesus in the New Testament is none other than the Yahweh of the Old Testament. There is only one God, not two gods, not three gods. God is triune, and God reveals Himself in time and history in the person of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And when He comes, He comes to save. Emmanuel, God with us. You'll call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. 
So the Lord is the unique God because of who He is and because of what He has done. Therefore, He commands us, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, because of that, because of who the Lord is and because of what He has done, doesn't it make sense that God will have no rivals? Look at verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 5, you shall not worship them, the false gods, or, or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a… what kind of God? Jealous God. Or the pagan nations were always changing their religions from one god to another. You could hardly keep up with them. They were polytheistic. They had many, many gods. But Yahweh, the true God, will have no rivals. You shall have no other gods before besides me. And so in the Old Testament, idolatry is regarded over and over again as spiritual adultery. Does it surprise you that God will not share the stage or His glory or your life with anyone else? This is the foundation of the Ten Commandments. The Lord is the only true God. The Lord is a jealous God. You say, jealous? Usually for us, jealousy is an ugly word, isn't it? We think of jealousy as suspicion, distrust of someone controlling someone else, a kind of green-eyed monster. But when we say that the Lord is jealous, as He so describes Himself, we are saying that God protects what is precious to Him. You see, it's not just that God wants a personal relationship with you. He wants more than that. I have many relationships with many of you. It's not that God just wants to be another one being with whom you can have a personal relationship. He wants that relationship to be what? Number one, the most important relationship in your life. That's it. That's what the first commandment is saying. And any man, any woman who truly loves their spouse knows what it is to be jealous. If someone intrudes, someone comes in between a man and his wife, the pain that it causes and the distortion it causes to that relationship. God is saying to us, not only do I want a relationship with you, I want it to be exclusive. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and the start of a lesson titled, the first commandment, no other gods. John will be back in just a moment, but remember, you can always find these messages and listen again online at theverdict.org. Right now, we're at the beginning of our study on the Ten Commandments, and to make sure you're getting the most out of our series, we're offering our listeners a special resource. It's a convenient study guide from John that goes along with each of these daily messages. With it, you'll be able to follow along and pursue a deeper understanding of God's commands and how these commandments can impact our lives today. This printable workbook is completely free, and it's easy to download when you visit our website at theverdict.org. And if you're looking for ways to expand your influence for the gospel, we encourage you to consider partnering with us and help The Verdict continue sharing these biblical messages with new listeners around the world. Your generous donations of any amount go directly to our efforts to help more people discover the truth of God's Word in your own local community and far beyond. 
we've made it quick and easy to give through our website. Simply go to theverdict.org or call us at 833-551-2231. And by the way, you're also invited to join us for Sunday morning worship here at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, either in person or via live stream. For more details, just go to theverdict.org. Now, here's John. Well, what's your verdict? Do you now understand why we are to have no other gods before the one true God, who is the creator of all things? We are all accountable to Him. The popular idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something is totally contradicted by the first commandment. There is no God other than this unique sovereign God who requires our worship and desires a living relationship with His people. Don't miss the next broadcast when we take a deeper look at the first commandment. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.